You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. It is now 5 o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University. I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Fidelia Doga, Research Fellow with the Queen Elizabeth Scholars Program here at Queen's University and a Research Fellow at the Institute of Health Research at the University of Health and Allied Sciences in Ghana. Welcome to CFRC today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Campus Speed is always happy to have great folks like you on our airwaves. So... Dr. Doga, or may I call you Fidelia? You call me Fidelia. Thank you so yeah. much. Tell us about yourself and uh, your research that you've been doing in Ghana. Okay, so as you mentioned rightly, my name is Fidelia. I'm a research fellow um, and a mother, a mother and a wife, a mother of two boys, counting Ted. Um, largely, my work in Ghana it's on looking at um, lifestyles of young people actually and how those lifestyles impacts on their weight level in terms of obesity mm-hmm. predisposing them to non-communicable diseases because we know most times ncds are things you usually see in adults but research is currently showing that young people even in sub-saharan africa are starting to report non-communicable diseases. So um, I'm interested in looking at the lifestyles of young people because usually the advice to elderly people are, okay, so you are elderly suffering from this, eat fruit, eat vegetables, do exercises, sleep well. So I kept wondering, so if this is being told adults, why can't we start so young? Mm-hmm. Because lifestyle is cumulative. Mm-hmm. So that these young people are prepared along the way and in the old age they tend to have a much more healthier aging and aside from that i do works in implementation research mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes we have policies that are rolled out and some of these policies beautifully rolled out end up not achieving the impact they are supposed to achieve so the implementation research actually is just a methodology. So we want to find out what are those bottlenecks mm-hmm. that imp- prevent these beautifully policies that have been rolled out from achieving their aims. So for the implementation research, it cut across everything, uh, be it maternal health, which brought me here to Queens, mm-hmm. and any in, 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 in facets of life, we want to look at bottlenecks that prevent policies from achieving their impacts. Yeah, so largely, that's what I do in Ghana. Okay. And then in addition to writing proposals, because I'm a research fellow, much of much more of my work is into research, being in the field, collecting data, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of teaching actually involved here. Okay, so what inspires your research? Uh, what drives you to do the research that you've done? Why do you love it so much? Um, I believe for 
um, the right policies to be done and the right impact to be done. We need evidence so that we're not just thinking these are the things people need and we go out to implement. But we're actually hearing the voices of the people that these are the things we need. So we are not actually doing it in isolation and then you end up going. So for instance, we can presume, okay, so we have this community here. We probably think they need a health facility close by. And you end up putting up the health facility and probably that's not what they need. Mm -hmm. Because where I come from, it's so beautiful for a woman to give birth. And then you are all clothed in white attire, footwear, your bag, your dressing, everything white, walking walking in town mm -hmm. to go for your postnatal vaccination for your child. Then everyone keeps on shouting, oh, congratulations. Oh, what's the sex of the baby? You know, it's so nice. Mothers enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So bringing a facility closer to them will mean they are not going to walk that long distance for others to appreciate them, call out to them. So you may have the facility there. Mm -hmm. They will still end up walking the long distance to the further one just for them to hear people congratulating them and talking to them. So you need to hear the voices of the, of the people. So actually it's evidence and the feeling that we can actually impact lives, make things better mm -hmm. through research. All right. Yeah. So with the research that you've been doing, what is the, um, let's talk a little bit about the Queen Elizabeth Scholars Program and yeah. then uh, how you came to Queen's University. Uh, let's start with uh, what the Queen's, Queen, excuse me, what the Queen Elizabeth Scholars Program is. Okay, so the QS2018, a friend sent me the link and told me if I can, I should apply. That is on maternal health. And I was like, oh, that's great. It's an area I'm so much interested in. So made application, several packages were required, including a proposal, then some other forms we need to fill out. Mm -hmm. So after that, there was a short listing. So we had a Skype interview. So following the Skype interviews, I received a mail that I got selected, so we came on board. So the Queen Elizabeth uh, Advanced Scholarship Program actually is to build capacity in us. So it's on maternal health, but we're not actually collecting any primary data for now. Mm -hmm. The idea is to build capacity in us from the low-income developing countries. Then this capacity built in us, we go back home, mm -hmm. Then we share with our colleagues, build capacity in them as well. And then this capacity built in us is supposed to translate into the research that we're going to follow up on, on, on the maternal health. So my proposal for the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Program was actually on male involvement in maternal health. Okay. Yeah, so where I come from, it's predominantly a male-dominated society. So even as a woman working, whatever, you still need your husband's permission to do so many things you do. If not, you're going to be tagged like disrespectful. Mm. Yeah. So, and uh, previous evidences have also shown that when the family planning was being introduced in Ghana, women were first targeted. So it was given to women, okay, use this, use that, and you space your children or it probably prevents having any more because you don't want to. So what happens is men actually determine the number of children they want. 
So if you are a woman and you've given birth to only one and say, okay, I'm done. And the man said, well, I'm not done. Probably you had only girls. And for us, inheritance is through the male children. So the males, mm-hmm. men value male children over the girls. So if you have only female and no male, you can actually say you are done. So women were being given the family planning all right. They were taking it, but they were not using it. Mm. And okay. then it was realized because their husbands were not involved. So you have to bring the men on board for you to achieve what you want to achieve. So we realized the male, male involvement in maternal health, as in even their antenatal delivery at the hospital, going for the vaccination. Men are being encouraged to participate. But it's, 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 it's very poor. Okay. It's very poor. And I think for the facilities too, people are not helping. So you end up, a man end up taking the child to the hospital. And everyone is like, where's the mother? Where's the mother? Where's the mother? Like, mm-hmm. it's only the mother who has given birth to the child. What is the two of them? So we want to, we want to find out. So for this particular proposal, I'm going to apply the implementation research methods to find out the bottlenecks that are preventing this policy that have been ruled out for so long from impacting maternal health. Okay. Yeah, because still you see some mothers not going because, okay, so the, you are probably financially not stable and the person you need the money from to go, the person doesn't really value the reason why you should go because, okay, from generations, his family, people have just given birth at home without even seeing a healthcare provider. So what are you talking about? Sit somewhere. Okay, so you need to make plan before the child is born, birth plan, and you talk to him. Okay, so we need to arrange a vehicle down. I need people down who can probably donate blood in case I need blood. And it's like, do you need to go there? There are traditional birth attendants who can give birth to you successfully at home. Mm-hmm. And what are you talking about? So we actually need to involve the males. Okay. For them to know that pregnancy is not only for the woman, but it's for the two of them. So with this in mind, what what is it uh, about uh, the Queen's University environment or the researchers that you're working with that brought you to Queen's to help you uh, succeed in your project goals? Oh, okay. So as I was saying, the goal actually is to build capacity. Mm-hmm. So for the whole of June, we've been in training workshops, uh, looking at quantitative methods and analysis, qualitative uh, looking at research methods, um, some other digital data collection methods like SenseMaker that we were introduced to. Some of us had no idea of it. It's the first time for us, and it's a great one. And then um, they said conversation. I think we made a media center, and it's like it's a new thing that is now all the people are using to probably send out their research methods faster. So the whole of June has been to build capacity, including... Um, the, the whole of of June, we've been in training. So the goal is actually to build capacity for everything that we need in research, to impart research in maternal health. So that has been the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, who are you working with? Okay, so we're working with um, Colin Davison, mm-hmm. um, Suzanne Battles, uh, Eva, Eva, is it Eva Puki? I can't, I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it well. And then Heda, I think they are four. And then we have a coordinator who is Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been working with these people 
But actually, Susan has been responsible for those of us from the African region. Yeah. And uh, is there a host department here at the university? Yeah, public health. Public health. Yeah, yeah. And they are based right in Caritaso. Right upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you do What do you do you with your team on a daily basis? And uh, what work are you doing in collaboration? Oh, sorry. So what work, what kind of work are you doing with the team collaboratively? Oh, okay. So for now, I think last year, for the last year group, they wrote a proposal on... Uh, parenting, parenting adversity also, that they are currently collecting data in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. um, they are going to Congo. So for the rest of the two African countries that are here, that's Zambia and Ghana. I'm from Ghana. We're thinking now of trying to implement this study in our home country to set off our collaboration in terms of the QES. And then as individuals, we're looking at some of other proposals or calls that are coming in mm -hmm. to see how we can join together to start something. But from June till now, we've been working with um, Street Health, mm -hmm. doing some uh, literature review for the systematic literature review for them. And they were on two areas. One was on crystal meth. Mm -hmm. And then the other is on hepatitis C. Okay. Yeah, so they want to know what evidence is there in literature that they can also base probably on evidence in terms of treatment. They want to know how crystal meth use is affecting um, outcomes in terms of social and economic, medical. And then they want to use those stand on them to probably argue for better services for their clients. Okay, and now with Street Health, um, where, sorry, it's the location downtown Kingston? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with Street Health, is, are there any, um, are you doing any work regarding uh, maternal health as well with Street Health? Okay, no, so the Crystal Health we're doing, we, Street Health is interested in the, Evidence-based treatments, mm -hmm. the socioeconomic outcomes, okay, and then the medical outcomes. So we are doing something on maternal health. So we are looking side that, looking at crystal meth outcomes in terms of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, separately, but it's not for street health, but it's for the QS mm -hmm. program that we are okay. working on. Yeah. But with some of the research methods that you're using, you're able to uh, transport those into other into other studies. Yeah. So we use it, we a systematic review. So in June we built we introduced a systematic literature review in in June. Mm -hmm. So we are applying it now. Okay. Yeah. So trying our hands on to see how it will work out. Because for us, it's a good thing coming from places where we don't have so much resources for research. So doing systematic reviews, we don't really need to go to the field to collect primary data again. Mm -hmm. We only need internet and databases available to us. Okay. So it's a great tool. Yeah. All right. Now, how does your research expertise uh, from Ghana, do you think, inf uh, how does this inform the work you're doing with your team here and inform the work that you're doing with uh, street health here in Kingston? Oh, okay. So 
I'll say we've or have been introduced to the various data collection methods in terms of the qualitative, the quantitative methods. Uh, because I had a quantitative background anyway, starting from my master's level to the PhD. And then for the qualitative, the same. So one thing I came to pick up here actually was on the NVivo software. So the software for um, analyzing the qualitative data. And it was something I was looking forward to, to learn. So it's a good add-on. So we had other people in the group who are largely qualitative. Mm -hmm. So those of us who are quantitative tend to learn from them and they also learn from us. So together we put the skills together to actually write a proposal we are working on currently. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you learned anything new that you can also bring uh, to your research at the Institute of Health Research in Ghana? Yeah, I have. Um, so for us, data collection is still largely paper-based. Yes. And going digital implies a lot of things, particularly getting the tablets and those things. So we had one session that was actually, we were looking at paper vis versus digital data collection. And then we got introduced to the SenseMaker. And it's a great tool to collect both qualitative and quantitative data. So it's something great I think I'm going to introduce my people to. For now, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it. I've been introduced. So I think it's good to share it with them. So when we get other opportunities, we take it up, learn it well, so that we apply and then start moving from the paper-based to a digital level okay. as well. Yeah. So anything else you want to add about your experience here at Queen's University or even your time in Kingston? Uh, it's been great. My only problem had been food. Yeah, I've not really uh, gotten good meal or good food to eat since I came here. No. I look around and I say, okay, so, so much vegetables, so much. But because of my situation, I I don't see myself eating the vegetables and then getting filled up. I was actually looking for some, you know, African foods and stuff. <laughs> so we need more African food yeah, in Kingston. Yeah, we need an African market, really. I think the, we were sent to one place, uh, getting to um, uh, the Kataraki Mall. Is it Queen Anne, um, Caribbean? And okay. Yeah, so we got some few things from Ghana there. But still, it was so limited. So if <laughs> the base for African food could be increased, I think it will be. Apart okay, from that. Kingston business moguls <laughs> with expertise in African cuisine, yes, pan-African cuisine. Yeah, it will be great. Aside that, it's it's a lovely country. It's um, a lovely place, and really enjoy our stay. But <laughs> well, no place like home, so. Well, I hope the next yeah. time we you come that there will be uh, some nice I'm hoping <laughs> African food. Up my hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, I've been in studio with Dr. Fidelia 
Doga, uh, the research fellow, a research fellow with the Queen Elizabeth Scholars Program right here at Queen's University, and also a research fellow at the Institute of Health Research at the University of Health and Allied Sciences in Ghana. Thank you very much for your time and sharing so much about your research and your time here at Queen's with us. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Yeah. Rough time, kids. Are the words of my mother as I'm getting old even now I remember so I'm packing on my tools I'm going back at home a young girl like me shouldn't be caught without no school food he told me he was a banker no knowing bank robber this man is a gangster who come bank boxer oh sorry I know pa but I'm Baba Dumbo it do where we are He told me he was a banker, no knowing bank robber. This man is a gangster, book on bank on boxer. I'm oh, sorry, I'm no pie, but I'm Baba Dumbo. I drew a real shock and a gun jump. Now he beats me every night and day. Mommy show, mommy show, mommy show, mommy show. 